Hola, and welcome to La Receta, a podcast that highlights the hidden stories of Latinx talent across different industries, used to create awareness and inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Miguel Lopez Ixta. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of La Receta. Today we are with Julio Bautista, a longtime friend. Um, I met him during college. Awesome guy, super humble, down to earth person. Um, he's uh, an on track coordinator at Tualatin High School in Oregon. Um, and yeah, if, if you want to give a brief introduction about yourself, um, and let's switch it up. Let's switch it up this episode. Um, tell us something. Something interesting about you or something interesting that you like to do? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Miguel, for inviting me. Uh, the title, I just want to say briefly, that's just a, a receta way of saying that I'm a teacher. I'm in education. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, you know, I'm definitely learning how to play uh, the piano right now. I enjoy playing some video games. I enjoy reading and cooking. And uh, so all to say is... Uh, I'm very much a student right now of many things, and I just enjoy doing that. What um and what video games are you playing? Oh, you know, Warzone primarily. Oof! I hear you go off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, that's awesome, bro. Um, again, thank you so much for uh for taking time out of your day to um to record with us, and um yeah, I guess if. You know, like if, if you want to take us, you know, talk to us a little bit about your family and where they come from, where you grew up um, at the beginning of your life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so my parents are from Mexico. My dad's from the state of Oaxaca, northern Oaxaca, mm -hmm. uh, from a small town known as Los Mangos. Um, it's a very indigenous uh, part of Oaxaca. We uh, belong to the Chinantec or the region of Chinantla, but the city is known as Tuxtepec, the one that's next door to Los Mangos. And then my mom, uh, she's from Michoacan. She's from Pátzcuaro, Michoacan. And so I uh, know that historically, yeah, there's some strong indigenous vibes there as well. So uh, how that brings us over here, uh, we're out here in Oregon. I grew up in Newburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of interesting that out of all the places, and maybe this is true for a lot of our Latin people, but how we ended up in Oregon is very interesting because <laughs> like when my parents arrived to Newburgh, Oregon, they didn't know each other. They met in Newburgh, Oregon. They met at the only uh, Latino church at the time and they got married and basically joined the two big families that were Latino in Newburgh. And so for a wow. time, there was a running joke that, you know, I was probably related to to you <laughs> in the small town of Newburgh. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome, dude. That that's so cool to hear. Um, and especially like you knowing like exactly where your parents are from, and like even just like mentioning, um, you know, like the indigenous background that they have. Um, and I think that that's so powerful because um, through as years pass and more generations, like you know, there's more generations. Like it 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 kind of does feel like there's a sense of like of people forgetting about like the traditions and you know like. Where is it that, you know, like before the parents, before the grandparents, where is it that they came from? So, yeah, I, I think that's really powerful that you mentioned that stuff. Um, my family, they're, uh, they're also from Michoacan. Um, 
and so we're pure pechas. <laughs> um, yeah. That and you know, and my parents did a really good job in like always highlighting and talking about that kind of stuff. Um, so dude, that's awesome to hear. And I, you know, you know, you asked me what I've been doing. Also, just learning about the people from that region. So mm. pure pechas, like they're royalty and. Uh, yep. talk about a rich history and, and heritage like I'm very much allowing myself to learn more about that just because I wasn't exposed too much but you know one thing I'll say and I'm curious uh, this is true for you but uh, you know I'm a teacher by profession but I definitely believe an educator of life so constantly learning but um, I do believe that some of the cultures and some of the norms and the ways of thinking and learning like still hold true in my family. And let me just say a quick story. Like in my, my dad's side of the family, we whistle quite a bit. And there was a day where I just decided like, you know, just let's learn more about Chinantla and the Chinantecos. And I, and I came to find out that like, it's a way of communicating. Wow. And then I asked my other friends who, who also have family from Oaxaca and they talk about how there is, they have their own forms of whistling. And so to me, I just think about traditional education is all about test and studying, right? But no one yeah. talks about how, like, I think it's a genius way of, of doing life when you're able to communicate through whistling, which again, mm. from a from a distance standpoint, like maybe it's not much, but if you think about how a culture survives over hundreds of years, yeah, you know, that's pretty fascinating. Wow. I had not even thought of that, bro. And there is like so much, I'm not sure if this applies in other cultures, like specifically to whistling, but there is, there, you know, there is so many like different whistles that just, you know, have like such a big meaning. Um, for example, when you go, when you go to like the soccer games and whatnot, um, you hear like a lot of people like the, doing that whistle, the do -do 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 -do, like all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and, there you, you know, go. Like, it means so much, bro, like, just with the whistle, right? Like, yeah. um, you're, like, giving a message right out. So, dang, that's awesome to hear. Now it makes me think about, like, you know, like, all the different, like, hand gestures and, like, hand symbols, like, the the kind For of sure. that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, that, and damn, it's something that, like, I, I think even being in America, like, we don't pay enough attention to, like, when I had this conversation with my sisters and I asked them, like, hey, when my dad whistles, like, what comes to mind. It was just interesting how they all interpret it differently. So like for one sister was my dad letting us know that we we're home. Another sister said like he would whistle at the grocery store and she would find her way back to him. And I know oh, I've yeah. asked this question to other friends and they talk about very similar experiences. So wow. uh, I think probably the most outstanding thing is when I had this conversation with my dad, he wasn't aware, mm. right? And then I showed him a video of how like, people pass down traditions by this way and i was like whoa so it was like just mind-blowing for our whole family super interesting um cool and so you you lived in newburgh your whole life or how was it um when you were when you were younger yeah i mean i i grew up in newburgh i grew up on main street i mean you mentioned that um, yeah i mean i would say it's a bilingual bicultural community that continues to um create brown dreams even when they're not welcomed and i think that was my mm. story back in the day you know i went to edwards elementary and uh, i've seen friends now become teachers and i see administrators who are also latino who now work there and it's just uh, such a pleasure to see that because i remember 
Edward Elementary, it was always like deny who you are, speak English mm. only. I remember getting removed um, from the mainstream classrooms in order to get EOD or ESL support is what they, yeah. what they called it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like that sent such a strong message. It sent the message that I wasn't good enough to be in regular classrooms with my peers. You know, it was a substandard essentially education that I was getting. But I think all the same, uh, that really motivated me, even as a young kid, to do my best. Because I would have the same struggle in middle school and high school. It always felt like I was one step or two steps behind my peers. Mm-hmm. And that was the feedback that my teachers would say. And through the frustration, I would say I just felt motivated to get better. In fact, like, I was just thinking about this the other day. But I remember when it came to speeches, and the reason I think about this is because as a teacher, I, I definitely see how different communities have different ways of supporting their students' learning. So some parents are able to afford tutors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents didn't have the resources to provide that for me. And they inspired and molded my education in other ways that I'm super thankful for. But I remember I would stand in front of the mirror and it was this mirror no apartment that folded so I got Mm -hmm. three views of myself and I would spend uh, a few hours just like practicing my speeches I would pay attention to like my eye my eye movement and how my lips were either connecting or not connecting or enunciating Mm -hmm. words you know and uh, that was one way that I just began to get comfortable with public speaking something that I Mm -hmm. dread because I do consider myself an introvert and didn't like to speak in front of in front of people but I just remember that was kind of my go-to. That was my tutor. And it was by literally looking at myself in the mirror, <laughs> practicing speeches. And I don't know. I think to me it just reminds me of just that neighborhood. Like, for good and bad, for having the resources or not having them, like, yeah. my dreams, they they came to life. They came to fruition. Um, huh. and so, you know, even though, I did come from humble beginnings. I am thankful for that experience because it empowers me to be in the classroom and be with students who share a very similar mm-hmm. narrative. So, wow, that's real, bro. That's real. It, it's kind of um, you know, it's kind of crazy that you mentioned like ELD, ESOL. There's been actually a couple people on the podcast that all have gone through that, and myself as well have gone through that. But yeah, dude, like. Yeah, I definitely feel that, like, growing up, like, you know, they would separate you from, like, normal classes and whatnot. Um, And I did get that sense of, like, obviously, like, I felt like I did get helped, but at the same time, I did get that sense of, like, them telling me that, you know, I I was behind. Um, Cool. And so, so you went at, you went to elementary Edwards um, Elementary, um, and what middle school did you go to? I went to Shehalem Valley which... Uh, Is that by the high school? No, that's Mountain View. Uh, Salem Valley was the very affluent middle school mm. uh, that just made me feel feel left out in so many different ways. Like, Wow. Uh, like, I remember some of my peers, like, some of them had some of the nicest cars I had ever seen. Wow. Uh, yeah, one, like, drove up in a limousine and the parent dropped off their kid. What? And this is wine That's country, crazy. so just think about, like, yeah. the socioeconomic status is wide in Newburgh. 
I don't think it's talked about enough, but it's, mm-hmm. it's there. There's economic mm-hmm. disparities. Uh, so from a, from a poverty standpoint, like I stood out, I didn't have the nicest clothes. And if, if my English didn't stand out like it did here, just because uh, the group of ESL students was very small. That's where I found affinity. That's where I found support. But mm. there's few of us, you know, but all the same, I think it, it taught me how to navigate uh, a system that wasn't made for me, um, whether that was understanding how wealth and influence uh, impacts a community to, you know, what do you do when you don't have that? How do you fit in? Uh, how do you show up as your authentic self? So for me, I felt like it positioned me to really be wise in how I presented myself and how I would articulate things knowing that I did have to grow in my English. I did have to grow in my intellect. But yeah, Sahelan Valley, that was quite the place. And again, that place has changed. Um, Mm. Last time I asked someone, they were at 25% Latino students, which again, that was not the, that was not my story. That was not my experience. Yeah. Um, How many Latinos do you think there was when you were there? A handful. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but not much, not many. Dang, that's crazy, dude. Um, and how were you, like, in your grades and, like, um, how how were how how was that going? Like your education. Yeah, I think uh, from a grade standpoint, I was passing. I was I wasn't failing. Um, I was able to exit ESL in elementary. Um, but again, I, the feedback I would get from teachers is like, yeah, you're passing, but you, you could be a little mm-hmm. bit better. And I don't know why, but that just gets under my skin. Right. Um, <gasps> but I would say that, that was that, that kind of like mentality or things that I had to work through was true in high mm-hmm. school. It was true in college. Um, there was just like a sense of doubt that I, that people projected onto me, uh, when I entered their space. Mm, I see. So, yeah. Wow. How many other siblings do you have? I have an older sister and then two younger sisters. Okay. Cool. And did your sister um did she how how much older was she than you? She's ten years older than me and uh she went through Mountain View which again has the reputation of welcoming all the like our people, our gente into into mm-hmm. their classrooms. But it was like right where I lived. Like they had changed the the I don't want not borders, but oh. the district zones or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the zones. What? That's so interesting. Wow. Um. So you're going through middle school, and then how was high school? Uh, high school was interesting. I think it was a turning point for me. And I'm curious if this is true for you, but it just seems like high school is kind of the place where pathways begin to be created whether that's by teachers or by Mm. community members Mm. or mentors but uh high school is just kind of this opportunity to really elevate my education onto more rigorous uh classes so i started taking advanced coursework i started doing the honor classes i started getting involved and so i I was very much walking in with the sense of i'm i got something to prove you know Uh, yeah and i it came at the at the cost of just like staying after school uh, almost every day. I mm. remember I had my moments of doubt and wanting to drop out being in the advanced courses because, you know, I was one of the few Latinos in those classes. 
and it just it, it just didn't feel comfortable it didn't feel like a place in which I can thrive or be my authentic self but I always felt like I had to um, accommodate or adapt you know which I think there is some value to it but it just kind of messed up all the same just because when I look around they didn't look like me or dress like me or even knew the culture that I was coming from or understood just like different you know do's and don'ts so I don't know I think for from that standpoint high school was just kind of this opportunity to I don't know, get more educated <laughs> I remember senior year I got a I applied to one scholarship and selected only one school out of you know, multiple schools that you could choose. Uh-huh. And I got it. <laughs> wait, wait, okay, so so before oh, before yeah, we get there. there. Um, yeah. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. We'll we'll get there for sure. Um so so you're saying high school, you know, you felt like you had something to prove. Um, and then you started getting into like the honors classes, um, had a lot of dedication, had to stay after school. Um, but even then you you had some doubt, right? Um, where you wanted to drop drop out um you know like and and i feel like <clears throat> that that's that's one thing that um like even now like even in college like it's not really talked about a lot um the fact that sometimes you're in the room and or in a class and you know like just even being one of the only people in there you know that, that like there's not much people that look like you like being one of the only people of color or even less one of the only Latinos in the class, like, that gets to you, besides, you know, like, besides, like, the hard being, the class being hard, but also, like, you know, being one of the few, it does feel like a lot of times you're on your own, um, and that slowly starts getting to you, um, where, you know, you start doubting your abilities, and start doubting, you know, whether, you know, you're, you're as smart as everybody else, and, you know, whether you have what it takes, um, but, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, you were able to put. You were able to push through that, um, and so you're going. Through, you know, you're cruising through high school. Um, and then, when was it that you started thinking about college? College was a possibility for you, and how were you going to pay for college? <laughs> uh, I think it was, and she's probably still there, but I think it was after having a tough conversation with my my AP lit teacher which i think was the hardest class offered in the at course and i remember her name is groby she was this crazy teacher and i say that because she had green hair she had tattoo sleeves she had uh, black rubber boots uh-huh. she wore skirts all the time but like she was also she was had this like gothic look going for her it was uh-huh. just kind of like she was she was different but in a good way okay because she mm-hmm. was to me she role modeled authenticity and also mm-hmm. the tough love i needed to hear in order to keep persevering and being resilient i love that um and she was a teacher i was i would stay after uh i would stay after school and i would commit to to learning how to write how to write at the ap level right and i just remember first semester of taking that class with her i got a c minus she should have failed me but you know she saw my effort but I just remember uh, when I told her I wasn't happy with, like, my grade and the practice AP test that she made us take. Like, I just told her, like, I want to quit. And that's where she showed me tough love, right? And she said, like, you have every ability to not only be successful but to be to become something 
And uh, I took that to heart. Uh, out of that second semester, I busted my butt and I got a name in the class. And that to me was just kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe what she said was a true message, right? That wasn't just lip service, but she meant it yeah. when, when she pulled me to the side. Uh, and so out of that uh, senior year, I just continued on with taking even harder classes, pre-calculus and uh, the top English class that you could take. And yeah, it was like, it was validating. Wow. That... And again, just I, I was just going to say, just thinking about, thinking about it in the context of humble beginnings, mm-hmm. like the odds were, were against me in, in some mm-hmm. way. And I'm not trying to uh, play the victim in any way, but just thinking about how my peers had tutors and they had parents who spoke English and they had yep. parents who had resources and how I was playing the same game, but without any of that and how... I learned to like adapt and compensate in other ways in order to be at their level. Like, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of dope when I think about it. And I, and I say that because it's probably still true today that we have black and brown dreamers, right? Mm -hmm. Emerging Kings and Queens that are currently in the classroom that don't have uh, a person speaking that truth that they are capable and they have the intellect. Mm -hmm. So, I know it's probably a true message. If you if if you're listening to this podcast, we believe in you. Heck yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah that that's that's real, bro. Um, it really only does take one person, right? One person to um, to like influence you that much, you know, to like pick you back up and to, you know to inspire you. Yeah. Um, and for me, I. Also, there there was one specific t- teacher um who really helped me out um and I had a, com- a similar conversation like that too, but my conversation happened my freshman year, and yeah there you know there there was a lot of doubt and you know where I come from, like where where my family comes from my family story um there was, I had a lot of doubt in myself you know if if I were if I was able to be successful if I was able to even be something right. Um, and it really does only take that one person. And a lot of the times, you know, it's, you know, it's educators of people, you know, that, um, that are there with you every day, because, you know, you might have parents and, you know, like your parents might motivate you. Right. But a lot of the times your parents are busy working or your parents, you know, are busy having to deal with other problems, like, you know, bringing food to the table or putting a roof over your head. I think it's, you know, it's so important, um, the stuff that educators do, and the teachers that are day are there with you day to day, um, and yeah, it it really only takes one one of those to really motivate you and like, kind of turn that switch on in your head to be like, oh shit, you know what? Well, there's someone that believes in me. Um, well, that's awesome, dude. That's so cool to hear. Um, and then so so then your senior year, you kept taking all these hard classes, and at what point did you hear about this scholarship? Um, that you were gonna apply for? <laughs> uh shoot not to expose myself but you know how i heard about it was a friend of mine who's latina and she she i think i highly respect her she she is both street smart and book smart like i looked up to her in high school uh and i just remember she like told me about it and so i didn't do much investigating into it uh didn't do much research as my peers but i just uh heard about the scholarship this regional scholarship in the area uh-huh. and uh applied for it um 
it hit home in many different ways just because the one school I selected was the same university in my hometown, right? So for me, and thinking about like, how do I stay true to like my familia, but also like continue to pursue education. And like, it just felt right to only choose that. Cause that, that's, that's home. That's where I felt like I could grow. That was a new opportunity at the same time. And so, yeah, I applied for it and competed and, um, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I won it. And again, there is definitely other people that deserve it. And deserving, so I am thankful for the opportunity to have ed my education paid for. And what was the name of the scholarship? Act six, the Act six scholarship. Act six scholarship. Wow, dude, that's awesome. Um, and did you like when you were going through like the um, the process of of the scholarship? Did you was there ever a time where you just like fuck, like I'm really here, like you know, like I went through elementary, middle school. And then going through high school and now I'm competing to get this scholarship. I'm like one of the finalists to get this scholarship. And what was that feeling like after, you know, when you found out that you got it and what was your parents' reaction to it? Well, when I got it, <laughs> like I, I remember they back in the day, like they were mailing the news. <laughs> I think now they email you, but yeah. I remember every day for like two weeks I was checking the mail, like to see if I had gotten rejected or accepted, you know. But I remember I got this, like, 8 by 11 uh, manila packet. It, it just kind of felt, you you had that feeling, you know, that, like, oh, something good coming, you know. And I just remember I opened it there with my mom and, you know, just tears yeah. coming down because, uh, you know, for her, she, she was proud, right, that uh, I could continue my education and wow. you know that's one of her wildest dreams right was for me to get educated uh here in the states and have the, an opportunity she didn't have uh but for me it was just reciprocal at the same time because for me i was very much in tune and understood that like mm -hmm. there was like a heavy weight because like i i had committed so much time to my education and this is also i, I mm -hmm. can't forget like my parents never told me work during high school even though I very much could. I was in high school during the recession and my dad worked yeah. construction. And so that was like an unstable time in the economy, right? And I just remember my dad always stressed, like, just focus on your studies. And so, like, you know, when I got news that wow. I had got it, like, it was like a great sense of relief. And I remember I went to my high school. I ran around the whole high yeah. school going to every teacher uh, that believed in me, right? And uh, just let them know that I had wow. won the scholarship. Dang, that's and crazy. I, I can cool. only like picture you right now running around. That's I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great. And we, I celebrated it and the teachers celebrated with me. But, you know, I think every person in this world has um, has the doubters, has the haters. I, I remember I, I did have one teacher. Wow. Like, when I shared the news, he said, like, well, how'd you get that? And for me, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, Damn. That, I, I'll never forget that, you know? But, you know, I share that because we talked about this positive yeah. experience. That it really does take an adult, a teacher that can speak a positive message, right? But I think the opposite is true, that it takes one teacher to really destroy a dream, right? Oof. And so think about that in the context of who who's having these opportunities yes you know we we see that there's still a great need in our in our hand there right mm. so 
whether or not we want to accept it in the school systems, like there are brown dreams that are just waiting to to grow and blossom and to come into fruition. The question is, like, are we ready for that? Wow. Wow, bro. I think that just blew my mind, honestly. <laughs> that That's awesome, dude. I'm so happy you shared that. Um, so you got the scholarship um, after graduation. Like, what was your feeling like? Like, you know, like, I got a full ride. I'm going, you know, to a, to a university. Um, and what was going through your head at that moment? Yeah. Um, you know, shout out to my upward bound counselors and the program that invested in me. That's, that's, they were crucial in my success. Sheesh. Um, upward bound. Shout out to upward bound, bro. Yeah. Uh, Linfield upward bound. They no longer are there, but they, some of the people I still keep in contact with. But I just remember during the summer program, I was just enjoying the rich relationships I had built with my friends and with my mentors and mm-hmm. the teachers that did that program and just felt like, man, this is about to happen. And uh, for me, it's just kind of crazy because I don't think we realize how big it is, especially if you're like first gen and coming from humble beginnings, like mm. how big yeah. the opportunity really is. And I just, I still remember like, my buddy Izzy, his name's Isado, but he drove me back to because uh, we were leaving the summer program, and I like popped my head out, and we're like blasting some rap music. But I think it was uh, "I Have a Dream," and it was by uh, what's his name? It had mm-hmm. Common, and it had uh, he's from the Black Eyed Peas. What's his name? Um, but anyways, I just remember like it was like me uttering this brown dreamer that this future educator it was coming true and uh i will say that's one thing about me that's been true from day one i think the dream to be a teacher has started ever since high school Mm. uh for the same reasons that we we've been talking about like teachers really have this ability to speak truth and mold uh mold the youth you know that's so cool um and then how was it like when you first you know like stepped into and he, you went to George Fox University? Yeah, I didn't move too far. <laughs> Ten blocks away from where I grew up. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. You're close to fam. Yeah. Close to the food. Yeah. Um, and how how was it when you first, you know, like, when you first started, you know, walking on campus and, like, oh, shit, like, this is really happening. Like, you know, I'm going to classes, like, um, you know, meeting people, like, doing tests, all that stuff. How was it, bro? uh it was crazy i um crazy in the sense that like i in part was showing up as you know my family's dream but also one of the leaders to come out of to come out of newburgh that was representing the the latinx community right the latino community and yeah from a narrative standpoint that's just like to come back to the regional or the hometown university like it was just kind of cool to like have that me be part of that representation it was still very much a culture shock even though i was moving Mm -hmm. 10 blocks away from where i grew up george Fox was definitely its own bubble and um yeah it was just kind of like my previous experiences in in the newburgh school district kind of prepared me for that because George Fox uh, was affluent. It did have a majority white population. And mm. I just felt like my prior experiences were prepared, prepared me for that experience. 
Uh, I felt like it allowed me to navigate different social groups and settings, but all the same, I felt George Fox gave me an opportunity to really explore uh, my own voice and leadership, and I am thankful for that um, because when I entered George Fox, not many Latinos, not many Latino, uh, I would say, excellence or, you know, PhDs who are professors or in the staff, I, uh -huh. I had one person. Uh, compared to like the majority of the staff was also white. And mm -hmm. uh, when I would open up about what it meant to grow up in the low income side of Newburgh, it just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't resonating. You know, it wasn't hitting like the same as yeah. someone that did come from that experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I would say I just, I remember getting involved with the Latino Heritage Club on campus and just uh, growing that. I, and I think that was a lot of fun. I uh, got to meet a lot of people, a lot of dreams, a lot of, you know, uh, people wow. coming from Woodburn, Portland, from California, and all kind of just like doing life together, right? All bringing yeah. that, bringing to the table, like what it means to be Latino in a higher ed institution mm -hmm. that's, that's Christian, you know, so it was, it was a cool experience for sure. But again, it also had its challenges, but I do, I am thankful for the opportunity. Wow, bro. Yeah. I, I remember when I first, you know, when I first started off Fox, um, and you know, like I first met you, um, cause I was in the XX Academy. Um, so I'm pretty sure we met through there first. Um, but then it wasn't until we, um, you know, well, it, it was like my freshman, I think, or sophomore year that, um, that you were our TA for our Spanish class, um, mm -hmm. and that's really when we, you know, when we started getting closer, um, but yeah, bro, it, and it, it's been crazy, um, and I'm not sure if you can speak to it, but like, um, like over the course of the years, like how much you know the the university has changed in terms of like staff, um, in terms of like more people of color, more Latinos, Latinx, uh, coming to the university. And then even, um, I don't know if you've seen it lately, like the way that, that it's been showing up lately, um, you know, like trying to be more inclusive and, you know, like trying to give a voice, you know, to some of those people. And, you know, like, like many other places, you know, it, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but, uh, people like yourself who was president of the, you know, um latinx club right um people like yourself and like people like rebecca who also came into the university and people that have been pushing you know for this um they deserve so much credit bro and you know like i i always kind of see you as like one of the one of the people that you know that kind of started like working through those boundaries and like pushing through more of that stuff bro so um yeah they're just i'm, I'm really thankful you know that that you've definitely been pushing through that and it, it's you know it's 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 opened the way you know like for people for other students like myself and like my friends and like now more kids that are going to university and you definitely left the mark you know where you know they've continued this tradition of like you know staying together and like really trying to like um have the the university showcase what the culture is about you know um so dude i'm, I'm so glad that you, you talked about that yeah, and it's cool to see that some of the things I, I started up with, with my team back in the day, like, they're still alive. And, you know, I graduated, I was in college from 20, 2011 to 2015, and, uh, like, this is one of my proud moments as a 
as an older person, as a teacher, as a mentor, but like to see one of my own former students now be the president of that organization, right? That's like, cool. Okay. Well, did you know? Did you know I started that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, bro, that's awesome. Um, and were you were you always um when you when you when you were going through college? Did you ever like think about changing like your major? Because you know you I know you said you wanted to go to education, but was there any other things that interest you, or did you ever kind of lose interest? I think I was interested in a lot of things. Um, but I think I always there was always this like the sense of like, well, what does it pay, you know? Because I was very much interested in philosophy. I remember I supplement. So I was, I didn't do education as a major. I was a history major. Mm. Uh, I had enough credits to be a Spanish double major, but I just didn't do the study abroad. So that was one thing. Um, but I thought economics, that was an interesting major as well. I took some classes there. And again, for me, just it, it was so stimulating. And I just, love to like theorize and to talk about how different uh, groups engage with uh, the economy or decisions that impact you know the life and its societal impact you know so but uh, yeah I, I stayed with history and uh, graduated with that and then teaching didn't formally come formally in the in the paper graduation sense till like I got my master's in teaching so Cool. So you're um, as you're as you're going through the years um, and you're approaching like your senior year. Like, was it at this time that you started thinking about getting a master's, or was it after you graduated? So senior year, I decided to apply to Teach for America, which was a pretty it's a pretty competitive mm -hmm. uh, process to get into, and it's it's prestigious and the. In the education world, um, I remember people saying like it had the acceptance rate of an Ivy League school. Wow. And uh, I remember once I got in and started doing the teacher boot camp, like I understood why. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, senior year was just kind of centered on that. Like if I get in this, like it, it means me moving from Oregon, everything I've known to be true, like my entire life and leaving Newburgh for that matter, you know. Whoa. <laughs> and I just like, again, that was a long process. And I remember senior year, I got news that I had gotten accepted to Teach for America, oh, nice. and I was moving to San Antonio, Texas. Woo! And that's what I did. <laughs> that's what I did after graduation. I moved to Texas, and that was quite the experience. Um, they call it a teacher boot camp, and I, I understood why. <laughs> um, and what was it like uh, when you graduated from, from Fox, like for yourself and your family and like, you know, like the community here that you had built for me uh more than anything it was just a testament that like authentic community does exist and i remember at my graduation i i had my longtime mentor chris mcisaac he was at my graduation i had my family i had uh people from college people from the latino heritage club that were there and they're just like you know obviously celebrating the other graduates but like very much I was part of this collective, right, that was being celebrated and recognized for the hard work that we've done over the last four years. And so for me, it was more of a testament that, like, it takes a village mm -hmm. to cross the line. And I, I was blessed with a wonderful one, a wonderful, diverse community that believed in my dreams and 
was sending me off to San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> wow, bro. Yeah. And going now, like going back, like all the way to the beginning where, you know, you talk about, you know, like you weren't able, like in elementary, you weren't really able to be authentic and being part of the ESOL, you know, and like feeling like, you know, like you're a couple steps behind to like practicing your speech for hours in that mirror, right? And then hitting that point where, you know, like you had this teacher that, you know, had a conversation with you, like all those different, like, like all those different things, you know, that built up to get you to, you know, cross that line. And, um, and now, you know, like being in this like really prestige program, um, where you're moving to San Antonio, like that's, that's mind blowing, you know, to, to think of, you know, like how all these things added up, you know, um, and got you there, bro. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then, so how long were you in um, San Antonio for? It was just the summer. It was a short-lived opportunity, but I I think, you know, God and the universe have ways of speaking truth because I had moved to San Antonio with uh, a sense of doubt, right, that I had not addressed even through college. Uh, but I still remember this, and this is part of my story. I remember, uh, so we're in this teacher boot camp, so all the people there are teacher candidates waiting to be hired but preparing during a six-week uh, teacher boot camp, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember that first week, we're in a school auditorium, uh, and actually the boot camp was in Houston, Texas, so I got to see a little bit of Houston as well. Sheesh. And uh, yeah, I remember in the, in the midst of 100 teacher candidates, uh, the coaches called me up. They, they called Julio Bautista along with five other teacher candidates and they said like you guys are the standard for what we're looking for in a teacher and so for me it was such a validating moment because that auditorium was filled with graduates from Princeton, Harvard, Yale, UCLA, Stanford Wow! and keep in mind like small town guy coming from immigrant parents didn't have the resources growing up you know and here I am <laughs> just being recognized and that was, to me, was uh, a powerful, uh, again, a powerful testament to the community community that was coming from, uh, the community that believed in me mm. and allowed me to dream and walk with me during the toughest of times. And, uh, yeah, I felt like that validated me to continue with education or with teaching, I should say. And uh, that's where I came back, you know, after the six weeks, uh, I came back to Oregon uh, started working uh, at the high school, but then started my master's, right? And yeah. uh, I had that tunnel vision, you could say, because what they showed me in Texas, what I saw in those neighborhoods serving those kids um, was everything I felt I needed to be mm. successful back here in Oregon. So, Dang, dude, that's crazy. Um, and then so so you came back and um, you started your master's as well. As well at George Fox, right? Yeah. Were you also working at the same time? Yeah, yeah, I had done the. Uh, and you were working at Twalton High School. Okay, and how how did that happen? Like, how did you get that job at Twalton? Yeah, and that was uh, the job I got. That's something I got while in college. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the Tiger Twalton Upward Bound Program, so it's a college prep program for low income first gen students. And uh, I started off as a college tutor during my sophomore year of college and mm -hmm. just stayed with the program. 
I actually never officially resigned when I left for Texas. And so uh, when I came back, I was still like on payroll. So <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I don't know if I don't know if the you know God has His ways, but um, I just stuck with it, and then uh-huh. I started helping out in the ELD program, and I uh, got some experience there, and that was both fun and challenging. But you know, I wouldn't change any of it. Uh, but out of that, I was encouraged to apply to a master's in teaching, and did that. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. And um, how was your experience um, when you when you were getting your master's? Man, it was tough. Not not because the classes were tough, but because my mom uh, fought cancer during that time. Mm. And yeah, that was a big barrier to to carry, to handle, to navigate. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, I feel and I just feel like when you're when you see your loved one sick, you begin to doubt yourself, but in a different way, right? Yeah, you begin to ask, is is this the time to pursue your dreams or is this a time in which you allow yourself to care and I remember uh, my university supervisor Mm -hmm. just telling me like this could be the last time like your mom sees you to graduate and at the time it was kind of like a hard pill to swallow because the immediate need right is for me to be with my mom but thinking about it from a a long standpoint longevity standpoint I think it was definitely worth it to continue with my master's because um, my mom, during her fight with cancer, uh, she was in the hospital for most of the part, for most of her time fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. But there was this two-month window where she was able to go home. And interestingly, that was the same time that graduation was, right? And I had no idea, right? So I don't want to say this was all planned out. Yeah. But prior to that window, I had to ask myself, do I have it in me? to continue with this uh, and I chose yes. And uh, I remember I was even talking to George Fox, like, hey, can you stream, like, like, uh, stream this online so I could uh, have my mom watch it through her TV, not knowing that if she would ever come out of the hospital. And they were all supportive. And I remember when that two month window that she was able to live at home, she was there front row and saw me graduate, get my master's in teaching degree and yeah it was it was dope it was powerful it was, it's a miracle of its own so yeah bro um i remember i was there that day too when you graduated and i remember you i remember i think it was by the um by the quad by where the big um the clock is that you were with your mom dude um but yeah dude that's that's amazing um and you know it's it's crazy how sometimes you know things work out and all the like all the miracles that happen um you can call them miracles or just like you know like things that just like um lock in together i guess you can say like they just fall in the right place at the right time and it's just things that you know you're just like wow you know like it's kind of crazy especially you know when when you have um someone that you love so much going through something like that um but dude um i'm I'm so you know i'm so proud of you and you know like i'm i'm so glad that you were able you know to to go through through your master's degree um and yeah i guess i guess like um one of the things that you mentioned was that um especially if you're a person of color especially if you're a latino um and and you know latinos are really really family oriented um 
but when when something like this is, is is happening in your life and you know and you're at a point where you know you're like you're you feel like you're on top you know you feel like you're on top and you're just ready to crush the rest of your dreams ready to keep going like build your professional career but something like this happens like that part that you mentioned about doubting yourself but in a different way is so real um and it and it's so real because um you want to you want to continue growing and you want to grow you know professionally and you want to do all these things you know that you already set out you know like in your mind to do but at the same time you know you have this going on and and you know like your family's you know is such a big part of you that it's really really hard to find the balance um you know between wanting to do what you what you set out yourself to do and taking care of your family like for me it was you know i had a similar situation as well um but it was a it, like things line up like i said things line up where you're able to like somehow do both and it's you know like sometimes it is a miracle and and a lot of other times it is like you said um people that are around you to that continue to encourage you right um and you know with so much so many things in your head sometimes you do need that person you need those those people to like help you know clear your head and like give you like a clear sight you know of, of what you're capable of doing but dude um you know like thank you for sharing that um and i know like a lot of times um these situations are not super easy to um to share with people um so i really appreciate that you share that part of your story with us and then so you finished your master's degree you graduated um did you go back to working at Twalatin uh i did uh but this is after i i pressured some of the school leaders to hire me because <laughs> uh, i remember <laughs> i remember george fox uh had like a a mock interview day and it had like real administrators right from from the area mm-hmm. and i remember uh george fox was saying like if you get like a follow up interview cuz it was all practice interviews right mm-hmm. but they said like if you get a follow up interview that means like good stuff is happening and i remember woodburn school district offered me a job on the spot Woo! and i remember i i came back to twalton and i said like hey like i would love to be at twalton and since he used that to like <laughs> you got to leverage that for sure yeah exactly leverage it uh, just because i i had i had built so many uh strong relationships with families and the community and uh-huh. it just felt right to like again to just continue this dream of teaching in the community that believed in me so yeah i think out of that like i i was able to get interviewed for the on track position that i'm currently in and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity for sure wow uh, yeah um and what what is it um exactly that you do in this position now a little bit of everything um so part of it i hover over all of ninth grade and I help facilitate meetings with other teachers that are that are in the trenches with us, right? And uh we talk about how we can better support students and I also do some like data polls for the high school to show like how we're doing, uh how we're performing, you know. I also through this opportunity I got to teach the the first Latinx studies class uh here in Oregon. Wow. Fact check me on that, but I wasn't able to find anything, but I was able to teach and lead that and that that was its own fun experience that 
only further validated the dreams I had 10 years ago prior to taking this job. You know? yep. But yeah, ultimately, I'm a, I'm a teacher at heart, but I get to work with people who, who have their own truths and values of what it means to be in, in school and how we can uh, help young people understand and grow and be the best versions of themselves. So. Mm. That's amazing, dude. That's so cool. <laughs> I just keep going back to thinking about the um that teacher that had that conversation with you and now you're like in a position where you know you're able to do similar things but this time you bring that story with you, right? Mm. You bring your story yeah. and you know the validation that you've been you, you've been getting and the aspect of also like, you know, feeling that you're not being authentic but now, you know, like being able to you know to share that with kids to so that they are able to be authentic right um but that's so cool bro that you're in that position um uh yeah dude i, I guess like thank you for sharing thank you for sharing your story um i really appreciate you you know like um joining us today and you know i'm looking forward to to seeing like how many other lives you're gonna change and you know impact that you're gonna have on kids and you know, whatever you set yourself out to do in the future, bro, um, I know you're going to crush it. Um, and yeah, I guess like we reached um, the last section of, of, of the episode, which is um, La Receta. And so basically um, in this section, like, you know, just give us, you know, like the ingredients um, that went, you know, to, to your dish, into your dish or to your receta um, that got you to where you are today. I like that. Hmm. Well, first, I want to just recognize that we, you know, our gente, we come from royalty. We come from kings and queens, mathematicians and poets. And I say that because, you know, the true education happened with my parents. Uh, dad was a construction worker and mom was a caregiver. And it was a fine balance of discipline, but also taking time to care for one another, right? Yeah mom being the, the rich caregiver and dad being disciplined. Cause I just think about construction and shoot, I could not survive in that. Yeah. But I think about, you know, when he says that he's surrounded by Trump supporters and how he has to show up and be in that environment and still do his job. And I think about like, well, how is that true in my life? Hmm. How has it been true all of my life? You know, that I take time to care for those who I love, right? But also I show up in spaces that may not be comfortable, mm. maybe foreign. And I think a bigger question is, you know, where's your face lie? And where do you, where's, where, what do you rest on? And so for me, like my receta, right, is having that self-discipline, but also never forgetting of what's important. Because a lot can go by, uh, you know, opportunities and the money and the newest cars are always going to be changing. But, you know, with the passing of my mom, it really just showed and affirmed like how important it is to care for those that you say you care for. Mm. So practice that, right? And I just have found so much uh, truth in that, right? Caring for the friends I, I care for and caring for my, my family, I would say that's given me the foundation to stay rooted in teaching. Because, it's, it, again, it allows me to speak truth to the students I serve. It allows me to see, like, tell them, like, you too come from this world. Mm. So don't ever doubt yourself, you know. 
So I would say that that's what my perspective is, is staying true to that self-discipline and care wow. and uh, not forgetting where, where you come from. So, and for me, it's just that, that those reminders. So, wow. Dude, thank you for sharing that. Um, and again, you know, I, I really want to thank you for sharing your story, sharing the experiences that you, you, you went through, like growing up and like going through college, um, getting your master's and yeah, like all, all the things that happened in your life, bro. Um, so I really, really appreciate that. Thanks again, bro. No, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you and this opportunity and giving me a space to, to share. So awesome. Cool. Keep, keep doing the good work. Sheesh. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, bro. Um, I'll I'll talk to you soon. I'll, I might play with you on Warzone tonight if you're down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. I'll see you later. Peace out. All right. See ya.